I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're thinking. I can tell you that if you are looking for a safe space, this is not it. What I can tell you is that Jeff has a very particular set of skills. Skills he's acquired over a very long career. Skills that make him a nightmare for bad ideas, wrong-headed economics, and poor messaging. Welcome to the Jeff Effect. I have a fascinating little podcast today, and I'm very, I'm very excited about it. Um, we're going to talk to a guy who's been getting a lot of media attention, everything from the Hustle newsletter to CNN to international press. He's been calling a lot of attention to his town. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Tonino, Washington has an amazing history. You know, at the turn of the century, it was a boom town built on the local natural resources of timber and sandstone and coal. Three industry segments that continue to face a lot of headwinds. But, you know, today, Tanino is a quaint bedroom community with a historic downtown of historic buildings. Things are tough, but the people are too. But faced with the COVID-19 crisis and the economic challenges that it unleashed, Mayor Wayne Fournier and the city council reached way back into the past to solve a modern problem with antique technology. It's really interesting. Way back in the Great Depression, there was a run on the town bank. There was a run on town banks all over the nation. Cash reserves were taken to zero almost overnight. Back then, the Chamber of Commerce responded and made national news by printing its own wooden currency backed by the recorded deposits and assets of the now empty bank. Crazy, right? But it worked. And the economy continued to move slowly, but it continued to move because the money supply was available until the bank could restock currency and recapitalize. And you know what? Tenino is at it again. They are cranking up the same antique letterpress printing press to solve the problems of COVID. You know, this is a living, breathing economic experiment happening organically and in real time. In other words, this is freaking brain candy for the Jeff effect. You know, I, I contacted Mayor Fournier, and he was happy to talk about what they're doing in the city he loves. We talked about printing private currency, all the details, the, the human behavior and economics around why it is successful, the economic and legal risks and hazards, and we ended up talking about the future of economic development there. You know, what, what could happen next? So let's get to it. Mayor Fournier, welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for giving me some of your time today. You know, it's, yeah. uh, in, in prepping for this call, I, I just said, you know, I'm going to go and uh, do a little bit more background research. I'd, you know, on my, my initial email a couple of days ago, I'd already looked. But since then, you, you, you've, you've, there's been a couple articles that have mentioned you by name. Is your, is your email and now your phone all of a sudden, are you Mr. Popular in central Washington right now? It, it's actually been an international. There was I, there was a a Norwegian uh, article that I I didn't read it, but I'm, that I saw this morning. I have a a call uh, into New Zealand soon. I like it's yeah Montreal. I was on the Montreal radio I think Tuesday talking. Uh, there's film crews that are wanting to come up. CNN just sent me an email wanting to talk. Oh CNN, my goodness! CNN, like it's insane. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a fast. I've given you a little bit of background on me. I, I'm uh, I'm actually a, a master's candidate in macroeconomics at uh, at the University of Nebraska in Omaha. Currently, okay. In, macroeconomics. In, macroeconomics. We're talking micro. Mic, we're talking nanoeconomics today. Well, no, but but we but we're not. We see we really aren't. This what what you uh, this like a. You're, you're like a, a closed economy. You're, you're, you've, you've, in, you've impacted the entire economy of your town, and the the running monetary experiment is something that just tickles my brain. Like it's just brain candy for me. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so and, you know, and I want to talk about some of the reasons because, like, my first instinct was, I can see it working. I can see why it's working, and I know theoretically why it would work. And uh, but at the same time, it's like you know what that this is this is this is playing out in real time. But but let's just take a step back. This is something that 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 you've done. You're the you're the mayor of, of Tamino, uh, Washington. It's a it's a population just under two thousand, right? Something like nineteen hundred, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit out of the way, right? It's it's not. I mean, it's it's south of Olympia, Washington. It's uh, north of Portland, kind of in, right halfway between the two. Is that right? Yeah, well, we're about smack dab in between Seattle and Portland. Ah, good. All right. Yeah, so on I five, we're about five minutes off I five, but you know our our main interstate. But but we are smack dab in the middle, so we have we have some relative isolation, which yeah. is good and bad. Oh yeah, everything cuts both ways, and mm-hmm. so uh, this is something. I mean, you're, uh, you know, COVID's happened, economic crisis. You know, people are having trouble. You know, making ends meet. Everybody's been impacted. My business has been impacted. Everything's crazy. So, uh, but you reached back into your past because you you, uh, you talk about what what the Tonino did back in the Great Depression because because that's where okay. the, that's where the idea started, right? Can you tell me a little bit yeah. about that. So it's it's Tonino. Um, I apologize. Can yeah, I know? Which, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, it's fine. But uh, yeah, in 1931, the city, the city's kind of leadership at the time. So, you know, members of the Chamber of Commerce, the, the town doctor, uh, the newspaper men, you know, they kind of all got together. And after there was a bank run, so there were no, you know, no, there was no currency left in the bank. It got, it got all taken out. There was uh and they came up and they devised a way to uh, print money on woods on wood uh, pieces and then back it with the deposits that were in the bank. So there were deposits on note, and they 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 would back it or they would match it up to like twenty five percent of the deposit, and then issue that currency as like a loan of sorts to the uh, to the townsfolk through the bank. And and that's amazing because you know one of the one of the things that caused the Great Depression was uh, was, uh, was actually money supply. There was just mm-hmm. not enough physical currency. Uh, in fact, and what people don't realize that what made it last so long is that from 1929 to 1933, the amount of money supply in the economy shrank by almost a third and nationally. And so what that mm-hmm. it that did is it created this cons- persistent deflationary cycle that prevented people from actually doing transactions. You just couldn't do transactions because you had no money to do transactions with, and that made everything worse. And, yeah. and, and, you're, and uh, you're, you're the forefathers of Tenino um, took and, and, and said, okay, well, the problem is we just need to have some sort of currency to use in the system. Yeah. And, 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 and they did it, and, but it was back, it was back they were backing it with real deposits, real recorded deposits, 
but it kept the economy moving in Tenino and, and evidently it was successful. It made national headlines back in the 1930s. It did. It went viral 1931 style. And you know, there was a lot of, and it, it didn't, you know, you never know how it's going to play out. And so uh, allegedly, you know, the lore, the lore and the story is, and you can watch on, if you, uh, if you watch the travel channels, histories, mysteries, they did an episode on this. So you can, you can watch it on, if you go on Amazon Prime or something like that, you can pull up the episode on Tenino and they have actors kind of playing it out. And supposedly at the time, instead of it, you know, being circulated as currency, it became such a, a draw to outside collectors and such a novelty that outside interest immediately bought up all the money that was printed off and so instead of then using the currency they printed, all of a sudden Tenino had a bolus of cash. So it was Same, same. Who, who cares, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So all right. Now, another, with, with ties, you know, it's not just a theoretical tie in the past. You know, you actually went, I think, back to the museum in Tenino and got the old letterpress they used back in the 30s. And, and not yep. only is this like retro kind of cyberpunk cool, you know, from, oh, yeah. from that perspective, but it's also, believe it or not, it's a security issue because it's freaking hard to imprint on yeah. sheets of wood. Yeah. So, no, so go ahead. Going, uh, going archaic, we feel adds a level of security. So it we've does. done it so like, uh, you know, so old school and we've used the exact same press. It's the thing was built in like the 1860s and there's one person that can even operate it without losing a finger. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've, we've fired that thing up. We've got, you know, we've got custom made blocks that were, that was made with, you know, very intricate custom artwork. And this one person's in there just hammering these things out on that thing. And it took like a day and a half to print all the bills. And there, there's no way that through the life of this program, we feel anybody out there can can replicate it in any way that that makes sense. And any and, and there's there's no meaningful way that somebody can replicate it with the time horizon and 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 you've limited it. I think is it limited to ten thousand dollars? Is that what the deal is? At this point, we've we've committed ten thousand dollars to the program, and and there's a there is a yeah there's a horizon to where when we you know we get into like phase four and we say the uh, you know, the emergency's over, phase three, the emergency's over. There's a 90-day window where the city will still redeem the, the, the currency that's out there. So the city this time, you know, the government is actually backing the dollars this time. In, 19, in the 30s, yeah, it was, it was individual businesses. Yep, yeah, this time we're actually acting as the treasury. That, that, that's brilliant. Okay, so, uh, you know, uh, other, other aspects of this, right? So first of all, well, take a step back. Who? There's an inflation aspect to this too, which is absolutely. weird. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So we we have said we are going to back the dollars one to one. You know, we we the city will back it one to one. The outside interest, you know, the the collectors, the people that that yeah, I'm pointing, like you, at, my, I'm pointing at myself. Yeah, this is so interesting. They, I they, want they see these things as uh, you know as something that they want. They the value outside of town is 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 proving greater than that one-to-one -one value inside of town so there's an infl you you cross the border outside of tonino and, the, and there's inflation that makes your dollar more valuable it, it, it's it's crazy 
I know, but see, but in a way, but what you did, see, and again, walking through this with you, because you know, again, it tickles my brain. The intent was that, you know, you have, uh, you have a captive audience. There's, a, there's probably a local Walmart, but the, the Walmart's not going to take, take a wooden bill. They're just not going we to. We have no so, Walmart. Oh, okay. Well, but, the, but Walmart wouldn't if they did, right? So, yeah, yeah maybe. So, so, I mean, near, nearly every business in town is locally owned. We, you know, we do have a franchise or two, you know, a gas station, a little sandwich shop, but everything other than that is locally owned. So, you know, everybody buys into the history. They buy into the, you know, the, the, the kind of the story and the pride that, that comes with doing this program. So we have near 100% buy-in from local businesses. That's wonderful because it's also the, the, the problem that could be is, you know, uh, you know, there's an expression in economics, a principle that good money drives out bad. And so, you know, uh, you intended you wanted this to be circulated in the local economy because the last thing you want is somebody to grab ten thousand dollars worth of your money and then go buy a used car in seattle and then come back home that was not the intent the intent is to increase the money supply locally right and in and in doing that it creates more bills in circulation it just makes more transactions happen everybody's healthier everybody's happier when more transactions are happening but you just touched on something it's not just inflation it's there's a demand now for the 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 tenino currencies outside of tenino so 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 because there's more value it's an arbitraging market so now you can just take a stack of these 25 dollar wood chips i'm gonna i'm gonna head down and sell these at the at the uh uh, renaissance fair down in portland and and i'm gonna make a killing Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like Ticketmaster having a secondary market almost. And you know, there, you know, there's, are there, are there money traders in town? Is there a gray market or a black market, a secondary market? The the city itself is in the business of providing relief to those who've been affected by the pandemic. And we do that. What happens after that? The fr- there's a free market that is, you know, created other opportunities or, you know, even, you know, there's, there's likely businesses in town that are not only participating, they're wanting this because they themselves see the opportunity to resell it at greater value. Yeah, because that's like, it's like they just got a tops pack with three Mark McGuire cards in it. They're going to hang on to it. They're not going to take and just trade it in for five cents a piece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, but in a, in a way, that is fascinating as well because now Tenino is now has the position of the United States because there's a greater demand for Tenino currency than that, than it can be <laughs> because, and so there's this pull, it's pulling the currency out yeah. to be. Do we have the highest it. valued dollar in the world right now? Hello. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, who wants euros, my friend? I don't want yeah. no for speaking yeah. euros or yeah. British pounds. I want we're literally, Tenino. We're dollar. literally creating wealth from this nine or 1860s, like steampunk device in our museum and 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 and, you know and and by the way and i'm sure as the leader of the of the government down there in tonino you're saying to yourself well this ten thousand dollar program is now going to cost me five yeah Yeah. Because another five grand of it's just going to go away somehow. I don't even know yeah. how that's going to happen. Or it'll cost zero, and instead of providing ten thousand dollars to the community, we provided forty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, who knows what's going to happen? A lot of people just want to hold on to this stuff. I have my my family. I have family members that were here since in this community since it was since it was incorporated in you know nineteen oh six. 
And I have family that still have held on to the original wooden dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so now is, is, did, did, and understanding all of that, but for a time when it was new, because you had a flow, you had uh, somebody would apply for the program and they'd be given 300, my understanding, please correct me if I'm incorrect, um, some people who qualified could get $300 a week with a Tenino currency. A month. The, a, mo- a month. A yep. month. Yep. And Up then, to based on uh, the, uh, the poverty levels. So it's okay. tied, to the, tied to an index that determines how much they would be eligible based on their income already. And they have to be able to show, so be, for it not, you know, and this is, we, we are in a gray area. Is it, a, you know, we are in, our biggest concern was being accused of gifting public funds. And mm-hmm. so we had, you know, we declared an emergency early on saying that, you know, we, we anticipate that this, this pandemic will cause some ill effects to our community. So declaring an emergency and then, there's all these things that we will do and it frees up uh, kind of the, some of the restraints of bureaucracy for the administration. And then uh, we, we, you know, a couple weeks later, okay, there's economic impacts. How do we mitigate those? And we start looking, oh, can we do microloans? Can we team up with a credit union? Uh, can we, you know, can we do mic- like grants for local businesses? And then how do we actually help like individuals directly? Well, you know, the federal government's given everybody $1,200 a piece. What can we do? And so we start considering, you know, who would be eligible. It's not, it's not reasonable to give it to everybody because not, you know, my, my personal, you know, worth or job or anything hasn't been affected. So it wouldn't be fair to everybody. But if you can show that you've been affected negatively, we want to help you. You know, and it, but then you know, what do you what do you qualify for? And then we tie it into the emergency declaration that allows us to provide for public health and welfare by saying that you know those two those two conditions have been met. And then because it's an emergency, we're allowed to get it out there. We think. Right. Well, you know, but it, I think I, you're probably on safe ground, and I don't think anybody's going to challenge you on this. But from an economic, from a there's a you know a whole branch of economics, macroeconomics called monetism that studies about how monetary policy impacts the you know, economics across the board, right? And so there's a couple of things that you did that, that were born into your program organically that mm-hmm. really made this work. The first is, is that it was limited to $10,000. So, so what is that? That's 400. You made 400 of these things, something like that, yep. right? Is that, yep. yeah. So you made, you made 400 certificates worth $20,000 a piece. And if it was unlimited, you might have driven them to a deflationary point. If you just said, we're gonna print these until we're done with them. But because the market, see, uh, markets need, the only reason markets fluctuate, the only reason money works is because of trust. It, you know, I, I, I think I, I sent you a link on this, but I, you know, it would amaze you the things that have been used as currency over time. It would, it oh, would yeah. be, inc- yeah, shells, shells, coins, little play, beads. Little play balls, chunks of stone, you know, yeah. any, and the, the requirements are that it has to be some, even back in time, the, the original currency, in my opinion, was Mesopotamia, it was little round balls that were representational. People would put either grain or uh, in, a, in a bin for the community or the store, or put their sheep in the common pen, and they'd be given these tokens, right? And it was because there was one guy in town who could fire clay, so it was hard. One, mm-hmm. So 
He couldn't go off and secretly make these things. Everybody could see him all day and knew he was making pots. And if he's making tokens, they know he's up to something, right? So it, it, it developed this little layer of trust that he wasn't just making tokens in his backyard for his own benefit. So that confidence and trust gave the tokens value. So yeah. the fact that, the fact that it's, it's something that's very hard to reproduce, we have all these crypto security things on digital currency, right, to people from hacking it, but it can still get hacked. And it is actually harder to hack a wood letter letterpress machine from 1850 is harder to hack than a computer system these days. So yeah. th that layer of trust and the fact that it was limited to 10,000, everybody knows that there's a universe that, that it's a, it's a, it's, there's only going to be 400 of these things, only going to be 400 of them. That puts another layer of trust on top of it. Right. So, uh, and then it's backed by the, the, the confidence of the, by the government, the government is actually saying, Hey, we've got funds. We've got, the ability to collect taxes, we, we can take and get our sales taxes and our property taxes. I'm not sure what the tax structure is there in Tenino, but you are backing this with the, just like the United States, with the full faith and credit of the Tenino government. And all <laughs> these, you are, right? It's, so, it's very cool. Yeah, so all of these things together are why this program is, is, so, is so exciting to me, because you're a mini microcosm Limited currency supply, defined characteristics, defined printing, hard hard to replicate, and backed by the full faith and credit of the government. It's money. Yeah, this is money. Yeah. So it, I, it, yeah, I had to start out. You know, like my, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have a degree in economics or anything sure. like that. I'm a, I'm a firefighter by trade. That's what I do. I have a degree in philosophy, but I mean, that means nothing. And so like, like, you know, I want to get into e economic development. I start by Googling what economics even means. And, you know, and so like at the beginning of this, I'm having to go, what the, okay, you know, I want to make money. I want to print currency. What does it, what does currency mean? What is fiat currency? What is a, what is script? What is, what does it mean to produce money? And what is it, you know, how does, how do you get some kind of like social contract, you know, like developed where everybody buys into it? It, it, it's it's crazy stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, but it, being it, the mayor, you get to like make up. Like I I have no idea the things that I would get to touch and learn about and do. And I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on in this country right now, which also like it's it creates a lot of challenges that you have to figure out how to address. And it it it's it's wild. It's exciting. Um, I, I never thought that I would be able to get to do the things that we're doing. Right. And, you know, and, and we, we were set up, you know, and the, and the uh, fact that there's writings and the Federalist Papers, several other places in history, that talks about the individual states and municipalities and individual counties being what they called laboratories for democracy, right? So what, mm -hmm. what the thought is that, you know, hey. I love that no term. Yeah, it's a great term, isn't it? And, yeah. and they said, they said the federal, the, the original founder and father, they said, you know, there's no way that we can take and sit here in our central authority and make a set of, we can make some general principles, but we can't make specific general rules that work everywhere. We just can't do that. And there's just too, too much complexity. So they thought their thinking was everybody's going to be figuring stuff out for themselves. And then we'll all see what works and we'll say, Oh, mm -hmm. over there, that, that, that worked. And we'll, and some people will copy that. And, but and nobody's that doing that anymore. I know it's crazy. It's if crazy. There's, if there's not an automated answer 
You know, if there is not, it, it, it's like all legislation, all ideas are coming from somewhere and it's like so homogenous and there is, there's no creativity. There's nobody, nobody has the, you know, the, 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 the fortitude to try and challenge the system. You were edit, you were editing your words. I could tell. Oh, I wanted to say balls so bad. <laughs> Great. That's great. Well, you know, the, 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 one of the final things in the Bill of Rights, in, in the Constitution, it says, anything not delineated herein is left to the states and to the people to figure out on their own. That was in the Constitution because mm. they wanted us all to be laboratories and, and you are making yourself a laboratory. Okay, so I want to talk about another economics question. Okay, so we know that you had people receiving um, their monthly, st- I'm going to call it a stipend for lack of a better term. They were receiving okay. their stipend from, from, from Tonino. And then they were spending it at the gas station, the grocery store, the hardware store. And, and that, did any other types of person-to-person, it, just anecdotally, there's no real data you could possibly have on this, did any person-to-person transactions, did, did somebody say, hey, if you fix my uh, alternator on my Jeep, I'm going to give you a couple of these wood tokens to, this, to his next-door neighbor? Did, 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 did person-to-person so. transactions? Yeah. I hope so. There's, there's, there's nothing that would limit that. I you know, in, in some of the, you know, the social media stuff that we've put out, I, you know, we have specifically said that, you know, uh, it's like services, individual services would be an example, like babysitting, um, you know, getting your lawn mowed there. There's no, nothing restricting that. Okay. So it was, it was part of your intent, but you know, cause I, I would just, I wanted, I would love to see how much the community embraced all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I'd love you, to be able to just fly an airplane over the city and drop this stuff out yeah. and then just, you know, just see what happens The mm. you know, my, you know, my, like my, if I have like issues with anything in the program is that we've had to make it too restrictive on, on how it's dispersed. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we can't just, and, and let, well, I, I, maybe we could, if you give it to every single individual person, that might be okay, but we have to like come up with some type of qualifications and then trying to remain fluid as we put those out and then, you know, review how people qualify and if it's fair and if there's ways to do it better, more equitable, are we, you know, is there a way to loosen the purse strings? You know, that that's, you know, if there's room to play on anything, that's where we have to improve on it. My opinion. Are you are you are you are you recir- are you planning on recirculating the uh, the, uh, the the currency? In other words, so so uh, you give it to per- person A spends it at store B, store B catches it in for money with 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 Tenino. Um, are you reissuing the same currency, or because uh, that would increase theoretically increase your cost? I think that I think that collectors are going to absorb all of that stuff yeah. out of your hands. Yeah. But are you reissuing those currencies or are you planning on expanding the program at all? The way we originally wrote it is as they would be turned back in, we would like stamp them redeemed or punch them to where they wouldn't be reissued. Cause we want, like we want to keep our total liability at that 10,000. Absolutely. Uh, but, but we've had, you know, we are open to other ideas. Like, you know, the chamber of commerce came to us and said, Hey, when this is done, can we maybe talk about us being the ones, you know, the chamber being the ones that back it? And so we would, we're toying with the idea of continuing the currency. You know, I think the way that we've done it, uh, like almost guarantees it works. But 
you know, how do we like, how do we continue having a local currency outside of that narrow window where we've like, you know, set it up to where it will work. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and that's, and that's the balancing point, right? Because any type, if you continue the program, you know, um, that's when, that's when, that's when uh, true. uh, So to correct, not to correct what you said, but when the value of the currency is going up, uh, against goods and services and other currencies, that's technically a deflation, not inflation. Okay. So when so when so when you have um, if that twenty five dollars script, if somebody's giving you seventy five dollars for it, right? Um, that's that's the the value of the dollar is deflating. The, the value that what you're buying with that twenty five dollar to nine oh script is deflating. Uh, compared because yeah, that's how value is always measured is deflating now. If inflation is when prices relative to the currency go up, that's mm-hmm. inflation, right? So your dollar is not inflating. Your dollar is technically deflating, right? So, but what you do is you, if you print more of them, you uh, eventually, and I don't, and there's, maybe it's not possible to even get to this level, right? But, but the, the monetary theory is that the more money you print, the, the less value each individual dollar Taller is the wrong term. You know, we'll just call it a tenino. Each individual tenino, right, will mm-hmm. uh, will be worth less because there's more tenino's in circulation relative to the goods and services that are that are being purchased with it. So, uh, why that works in the United States? People can start concerned uh, a lot about right now about how much money we're printing right now in in the in the economy. You know, in the United States, and and it's it's good to be concerned with that. But the real thing to be concerned with is that we have the total value of goods and services produced by our economy, right? And if that, if that, as long as the amount of currency that's in the money supply, and the money supply is both physical currency and digital currency, and you know, the whole value of that, uh, as long as the num- amount of currency is roughly the same as the amount of goods and services, you can, you're not going to spur inflation. They're going to kind of go up together, right? The only the problem you get is if you increase currency, and we did this in the 1970s, which is why inflation was such a big problem in the 1970s, is because they were they were increasing the amount of money supply faster than the GDP was going up. So what that means is that meant is that prices start inflation started kicking up to to catch up to it, right? So I don't I'm not sure if you know because you're, you're doing this as such an isolated experiment. I'm not sure you're ever going to get to that point. But what you're experiencing when your Tenino, when the Tenino dollar goes to a collector for a hundred bucks, um, and 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 that hundred dollars comes in, it's technically deflating the currency because everything else is becoming less expensive relative to the Tenino dollar. Whoa. Does that kind of make sense? A little. I'm I'm All starting right. to kind of catch up. I'm having a hard time following, but I'm trying. Oh sure, and, and my you know, little fireman a- knuckle dragging brain is trying to keep up with you here. No, no, no. I've been, I've been, see, the thing is, this is a, I've been a passion of mine for, for, for decades now. So like, I'm steeped in it. All of a sudden, one day I went, oh, I get it. You know, just one of those things that which you get yeah. in. So, so like, yeah. we, like, you know, our, our uh, you know, we have a, our economics, our, our uh, uh, economic and development director, his, you know, he loves, uh, you know, microcurrency. He loves local currency. And his dream is to see people you know, using these things in town, trading them freely and using them like as regular currency. 
and I've been trying to wrestle with the idea of how do we get there to do that? You know, like now we've create we've created this these Tonino bucks for the COVID emergency. There's a scarcity there. There's a, a novelty there that's created a demand outside of town. Okay, those get bought up. To overcome that, you have to print off a bunch to where they're not, you know, unique and not valued as a novelty. And then you're not going to have outside interests wanting to get them. But then how do you build a system to where the people in the city are using them as a, as a dollar or even there's benefit to using them over the Tonino, over the U.S. dollar? Right. So, the, you know, speaking more broadly, I mean, uh, I, for example, there is nothing uh, uh, you're not doing anything for anything illegal. Uh, but, but just of FYI, because I was I was telling your story okay. to most people and and people were saying part oh, of me is hoping that I kind of am like you're <laughs> talking you're talking about nobody's going to challenge. And I'm like, well, you know, that might be the next fun thing that we do. Well, uh, you know, some, some person with an authoritarian tyranny might come in and tell you you're doing something wrong. But think of it this way. There's none of those around here now. <laughs> All right. What? So, what? Well, sorry. No, no. All right. The, so, the so, other Washington. <laughs> okay. Let me give you an example. Yeah. All right. Uh, you ever shop? My, my wife, her favorite store is Macy's. She loves that store. You ever shop at Macy's? Yeah. Okay. You can go into Macy's and buy a gift card. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you no longer have U.S. dollars. You can walk in with a $100 bill and then you walk out with a $100 gift card. This is the same thing, all right? You can take, and you have that $100 gift card, and you can take it, but you're, you're, you're confined. You have to spend it at Macy's. You have to spend Tonino dollars at Tonino. Mm -hmm. But you're backing it with the U.S. dollar, right? So, mm -hmm. so, and, and, they, and they have all these policies and procedures. You can't even get a refund. If you, if you look at the, the fine print on a Macy's gift card, you can't get a return or an exchange on it. Once you own a gift card, you have to spend it at Macy's and can only spend it at Macy's, right? So that's not illegal. So what you created here is a Tonino dollar. It's, it's theoretically backed by U.S. currency. But, all right, so if I have that gift card at Macy's, if Macy's goes bankrupt, that gift card's worthless. It's still not illegal. Mm -hmm. I, they they own. I mean, they went bankrupt. Where, where, I spent a hundred dollars on this gift card. I didn't spend it. Where's my hundred dollars? It's gone. It's so. Gone. What if? What if the you know, we get past the COVID relief to nine oh bucks, and we go into a, another phase to develop a system where we're trying to spur and and uh, bolster the local economy, and we we reissue or recreate to nine oh bucks. Uh, through our local chamber or through the city, and we we devise the program where a Tonino buck is of higher value than a U.S. dollar, and so we print it to say 25, or we print it to say like well, okay, we print it to say 20, and every local business agrees that when you bring in a $20 Tonino buck, you will be allowed to buy $25 worth of items in my store. And then we encourage the community to buy those as as gifts for everybody that lives outside of Tonino. All right, so so that, that that's that's the same. You know, that's just like a coupon, right? Yeah. You you, you know you can take and and uh, people do that all the time uh, during uh, during the holiday season. Macy's also uh, says this: 
because uh, uh, I get these, trust me, I get all of their emails, I get all of their mailings, right? And they say, hey, purchase $300 worth of gift cards, get a $50 gift card for yourself. Okay. And, and, the, and it, see, technically that's the same thing. Uh, the only thing you have to worry about is uh, it's, there's going to have to be, uh, in my opinion, uh, and you know, the, the novelty of this is something you can't, as a, as, a, as a scientist, as a social scientist, I can't quantify the novelty of it, right? I can't quantify yeah. that side of it. I think that there's something kind of sexy about it. Oh, yeah. Because there is, there. I mean, I our city hall was getting, you know, there, there was some gal at midnight last night calling our city hall that was all tuned up on, you know, cough syrup. Uh, yelling on, on the on on my voicemail about how I'm you know breaking federal laws. So there is like there's there's an aspect to this that seems a bit rebellious that I think right. people right. appreciate. Sure. When you so, call something a coupon, it's not sexy anymore. There's got you know like right. it's all like some of the novelty comes from the yes, we are printing money. What you're doing what? Yeah. But you're not so you're not counterfeiting money. That that, that, that there's a difference between printing money and counterfeiting money. Yeah. Counterfeiting means that I'm printing something that looks just exactly like a, a $100 U.S. bill and I'm because I'm trying to pass it off as a U.S. $100 bill. That's not mm -hmm. what's going on here, at least in my opinion. I mean, it, it's – and I, I'm, I'm a pretty safe bread, I, I think, with this, right? Um, but you're not counterfeiting. You're, you're, make, you're, you're making the equivalent of your own – you know, you can call it anything you want. You're making your own coupon. Let me give you another example. What if somebody, um, I, I've traveled, my, my, I've been very fortunate, my career has taken me all over the world. I have, a, I, have, I have what I call my drawer of what I call foreign reserves. I say it with a smile <laughs> on my face. Because it's all the little local currency bits that I've got left over from my travels, right? I've got some Japanese yen, I've got some Thai, B-A-H-T, some Thai bots Box, from Thailand. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, got, I've got, of course, euros, I've got British pounds. I even have some old Italian lira from before, before it was, uh, before it was the, used the euro. So I've got, and I have literally Ziploc bags, I wish I could show it to you, Ziploc bags filled with just pieces of change and some paper currency and stuff like that, right? It is not illegal for me to spend those. I can walk into any store and say, hey, I have a hundred euro bill here, okay? It's a euro, it, will you take this? And Because the person's gonna have, but they're gonna have exchange costs, right? So he's gonna probably say, okay, well, I'm not gonna give you a one for one, I'll give you a nine to one conversion, but you can buy anything in the store, but I'm gonna give you a nine to one because that's some conversion costs, right? There's no, nothing that says that we can't do a transaction that way, right? There, there are certain exceptions because, the, uh, like for example, transactions over $10,000, the government wants to track uh, and, and, and that's why you have to fill out paperwork. You make a deposit or withdrawal uh, or uh, more than $10,000 at the bank. You have to fill out a special form. So the transaction but, is an individual, like it's between the two individuals to satisfy a debt? Right, right. It, and whether so, I'm using diamonds or Tenino bucks or U.S. dollars. Right. The, on, the only thing you're going to have to do, for your, for, in my opinion, and, and this, is, this is not legal advice, but this, 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 is, the, this is the only sticking point. Um, if you're transacting things, uh, all right, I'll give you a better, I'll give you an example. It's a real world example. If you have an employee, right, and uh, you pay them a salary and you give them health benefits and you all the state of stuff, but then because you have them uh, you, uh, as part of their employment package, you give them uh, um, a, uh, a company car and you give them an apartment to stay in in town, right? The, 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 the federal government, when they tax this guy, 
they're going to look at all these things and talk and see if this is hidden. If, the, if you're avoiding income tax by giving them a car or if it's legitimate uh, car for his job, they're going to look at this and say, okay, well, is, is this his primary residence or is this a, a, a shared apartment he's going to use when he's in town visiting the corporation? If, if it's his primary residence, they're going to say, they're going to say, okay, well, how much would that rent for? And we're going to tax you as income tax based upon the value of the apartment you're getting for free. So okay. what about this? Uh, what about this? These Tenino bucks that we're giving out. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so so, so people are going to, uh, you know, it, it, they're going to have a, they're going to have, they could potentially have a taxable event, but, but there's certain restrictions. Um, so if you if you go to Las Vegas and gamble in a slot machine, um, this is I haven't been there in a long time, but it used to be the, the magic number was twelve hundred dollars. You could win not eleven hundred ninety nine dollars and not fill out a tax form. You could just get the money and walk away, okay? But once, if, you, the, if the prize was $1,200 or more, they had to take you and fill out just like, a, like an I-9 form that you got mm -hmm. this because you're being, there's taxation here, right? Well, you know, your people, the people you're giving this to are below the poverty line. They're probably not paying taxes anyway. If you ended up giving them an amount, some amount, then this, this would be a great area for the IRS, they're going to say and go, okay, well, if it's up to $1,200, they're probably not going to look at it. I mean, this is a person, this is a person, you know, making $15,000 a year and he got seven, he had $900 from Tenino. It's, it's probably not going to be something they worry about, right? Because it's, it's, it's not a taxable situation, right? But if you did this on a persistent basis, there the government's going to want some way to gauge this from an income tax because they, they would come to you and they'd say, you're avoiding income tax. That's a problem, and, but when, when you're, but, and they have to find some sort of a conversion. If uh, I have customers, I got customers all over the world. I got uh, some customers. What in if Germany. we declare ourselves an autonomous zone and we say we're not going to pay those taxes anymore? Good, good luck with that. <laughs> that's where that's that's a, that's where that experiment stops. <laughs> that's where the experiment comes to a screeching halt. You know, because yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, uh, left, right, and center, you know, if you, if they think you're evading taxes, the, the government will agree to come get you. Right. Yeah. They'll all, uh, they're all in agreement on that one. <laughs> right. So, so let me this, I, I, and this is how I've got customers in Europe and they pay me in euros, but I've got it set up in my, in my payment system with my bank. It gets converted to us dollars and, and they charge me a fee to convert it to us dollars. And then I'm, I've got a net deposit in U.S. dollars. And so I can deduct my transaction costs, all the costs of getting that money in, right? And I'm only taxed when it's at the amount that converts to U.S. dollars, right? So um, the, uh, that is something, if this program was extended, all right, I don't think anybody's going to give you a heartache over the COVID emergency national response. I don't think yeah. anybody's going to give you a heartache yeah. over that. And, and, and it's, it's so targeted. It's so limited. It's so finite, right, that, that there's this here. But if you took and extended the program, it would start to become a tax. You would get somebody's attention eventually. It would start to become a taxable event because they're not going to let anybody avoid taxes. You know, the, the, the local general store, the gas station, he, it, he has to declare on his tax, he has to declare his sales, you know, his revenue. He has mm -hmm. to find, have a way, a legal way to declare revenue. And right now it's really easy because you have a, a $25 Tenino, forgive me, the $25 Tenino buck, and he's going to declare $25 of revenue because he's going to go and get $25 from you, right? 
-hmm. But if you start changing that calculation and putting a fluctuation and printing a bunch of these things, so you have all these transactions going through, it's not going through a bank, it's not going through a credit card, it just looks like a big tax avoidance scheme, which is how, which how somebody will eventually paint it, in my opinion. This is just my opinion, Tucker. Yeah. yeah. You, understand, you understand the wrinkle there, right? Broadly. Yeah, broadly, I think. So yeah. Yeah, the, the, ne the next thing is, is, is if you take it, if you did all $1090 um, that, uh, that you know, were, if they were $20 and you could, and you could uh, buy $25 of stuff with it, right? Well, that's cool, but the grocery store is still buying this toothpaste from Procter & Gamble, right? Yeah. So, so there's, there's, there's still that, that, you know, he still has to pay in U.S. dollars. He's mm -hmm. going to have to take at least some portion of that to dollar and convert it to U.S. currency because he's going to pay the supplier. Yeah. You know, the, the guy at the gas station, he has to pay Chevron or Shell or whoever's delivering the big tanker every Wednesday. You know, he, he's going to have to pay for that fuel with U.S. dollars. Shell's not going to take to dollars, right? Yeah. So, not so yet. There's, there's, not, <laughs> not, not yet. But when you take over <laughs> the world, Right. Yes. So, right. so you know, th there's there's those there's those wrinkles in in the system because eventually there's going to have to be a tie-in, and and I guarantee you this too. If uh, if the if I mean if it's if you're if you're sending the currency out to bring travel in to increase economic activity, that that right, that's the benefit. Yes. Yes. Because right. otherwise so, so, they wouldn't be coming to spend money here at our antique store or something like that. They right. have but, to it, come. You send that coupon sure. out to uh, you know to somewhere sixty miles away, and they're like, "Well, it's worth the drive because I'm going to save five bucks on my." What, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but see, that that's that's totally valid too. I mean, but 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 then everybody would have to know. That, I mean, you, so so let's say that you know Aunt, uh, Uncle Fred, uh, you know, in and in, in uh, you know in Sonoma, right? You know. Somebody sends him $100 with the Tenino dollars, right? And he said they're only good in Tenino, but the person paid 80 bucks for them. Mm -hmm. Everybody would need to know, you know, that, that basically they're giving a 20% discount. Mm -hmm. I mean, but people do that all the time, right? I mean, uh, Chambers of Commerce print out coupon books all the time. Get 15% off a hamburger. Get 20% yeah. off of this. Yeah. You know, and, but everybody knows that that's the case. You know, hey, it's like you, you get you, – you, you use this Tenino dollar, you get an extra you – know, you know, you get a free bag of fries with your burger. You know, it, it, mm -hmm. it's the same thing, but it's still going to have to be tied and based on uh, a U.S. currency because nobody can get away from, you know, filing out their revenue reports, filing their personal income tax, and 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 all the things associated with it. That, that stuff's that's that's where you get illegal. If you, if you if people are doing transactions that help them avoid uh, proper accounting and taxation. That's where you can get in trouble, in my opinion. And again, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Run, 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 run it by the city attorney, and uh, and I'm, I'm, I offer you uh, free free economics consultation at any time. <laughs> well, hey, Mr. Attorney, this guy on this podcast said <laughs> <laughs> he said I could do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's great. All right, so so what else? You know, you're you're getting lots of publicity. I think it's fascinating. I'm watching it with great interest. What else do we all need to know about this cool program? Is there anything else that I didn't think of? Uh, well, I mean, we you you talk about the you know this what laboratory of democracy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're 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 trying to do that in other aspects. I mean, we are we are trying to be creative about economic development. Uh, 
you know, our, our city was founded on, you know, you know, using the natural resources that were here, which were timber, sandstone, and coal. Uh, n- none of those are profitable anymore. Right. And, you know, so we, we were a big sandstone town. If you're, if you're here, our hillsides are cut away into like terraced uh, cliffs, which is pretty cool looking. And, but, you know, when concrete was reinvented in like 1920, when we rediscovered the recipe, you know, we had concrete in Rome and then things went to pot. And then a couple thousand years later, whatever, we came across this recipe again. And then Tonino was like, well, our, you know, our sandstone industry is going to fall through. Since then, we, uh, you know, kind of had kind of floundered. We went from being a boom town of sorts to being a bedroom community. Our last kind of real industry is agriculture. Uh, so we have a lot of ranches around here and it makes it really, you know, kind of pretty bucolic, you know, idyllic, you know, picturesque. But for those to be viable, you've got to be able to grow things and get them to markets. And another thing that has become evident in this pandemic is that uh, supply chains are like centralized and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, one thing, you know, we're like, okay, how do we make, you know, the, there's, you know, the value of the land uh, is like affected by what it, what it could be used for. And it became very clear that the value of these prairie lands that are, you know, once you, have, once you change them, they don't get to get changed back. Uh, development interests were greater than ranching and farming interests. And so we were like, why is that? Well, why can't a farmer make enough money to keep it what it is? Because everybody needs food. And, you know, it was kind of, it became obvious, you know, just the cattle, the, the small cattle ranches that are around here. Uh, they're, you know, why are you not making more money? Why do you not, you know, why, are you, why can I not buy your beef in the supermarket? Well, we can't process it pr- properly. The only, you know, you have to drive 150 miles with your cattle to have them processed in a USDA facility that would allow them to be served in a hospital or a prison or a school or a supermarket. And so trying to figure out ways around that or ways to, to support the local agriculture economy, we, we are building a what we call our, our agricultural and in, industrial and in, uh, the Tonino Agricultural Innovation Park, where we're putting in an industrial park that will have processing facilities, storage facilities, uh, and kind of fill that gap where you know the, the government has said, "Hey, farmers, you need to you need to wash it this way, you need to process it this way, you need to package it this way, or you can only sell it at a farmer's market." But you need to figure out how to do that on your own. When you got a hundred acre farm, you're not going to be able to have a co-packing facility, a cold storage facility. So we're trying to build that into our system here so that our little micro economy has a, a supply chain that can you know, supply the region. You know, in, in this pandemic, what, like there, there's some big processing facility in uh, Sacramento, California, where all of a sudden everybody gets COVID and it shuts down and then uh, McDonald's can't have French fries. And, you know, we've got, uh, we've got big processing facilities in Eastern Washington where because McDonald's isn't open, they're not buying all the potatoes 
and then these guys are having to give away millions of pounds of potatoes or they're going to rot. Yep. It, it makes no sense. And it's all because it's centralized, in my yep. opinion. If you, you, know, if I, you I, spread that yeah. out, right. it makes it more sustainable. You know, uh, I'll just, I'm just going to put some additional language in your brain. But because you are correct. Well, and and all right. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna extrapolate this out to a broader a broader topic. Okay. Um, yes, it is cheaper to because of labor costs to ship parts and and raw materials all the way to China and have them assembled in China and then shipped all the way back than it is to just do the entire process here in the United States in some things. I'm talking generally speaking, mm -hmm. right? Um, it is, but the, what, what the world has discovered right now is that there's a risk associated with that centralization, right? When you are assembling, when you're Apple computer and you're assembling 90% of your iPhones in China, mm -hmm. right? Um, you now have, and you did that because it is, you can prove it on your spreadsheet that it's cheaper, but the world's going to price something else in now. They're going to price, because there's a, there's a profession, there's a profession. I'm not one of these guys. There's a whole, you get a degree in what's called risk management. And risk managers, you know, they, they sit there all day to figure out what could go wrong and how do I price that into the equation, right? Um, there was a, uh, my, my sister was in the financial services industry back during 9-11. And there was a company, and I, and I don't want, I don't want to call it specific companies, but I'm, I'm going to have to in this case. There was a, a financial services company that were market makers that was called Cantor Fitzgerald. And, and they were one of the biggest, most important, exclusive market makers uh, for, you know, trading bonds and securities and, and currencies. And they were, based in the, they were based in the Twin Towners. Cantor Fitzgerald was the name of the company. Okay. And, the, and so on 9-11... It was it was a very large proportion of this company was was just wiped out, because all their offices, all their computers, um, and and it was like two thirds of the staff were located in the twin towers, and and so what they did by locating there it was a prestigious location. It was centralized in the in the, the financial hub, not just of America, but arguably one of the top three financial hubs of the world, and that's where they were. Boom, nine eleven happens. No risk manager up to that point had calculated in his brain or in his spreadsheets the potential cost of these buildings being wiped out because we it was just something that wasn't real, right? It wasn't something that we even considered as being a risk, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Cantor Fitzgerald has never returned to, their, to, the, to the company they once were, but all the financial services companies have done just exactly that. They said, we can't afford to have two-thirds two of our company in one location anymore. We can't afford that. It is too much of a risk. So they've op opened up satellite offices on the West Coast and, and, in, and in, the, uh, in the Midwest. And marginally, this increased their costs because multi having three or four offices in big cities is more expensive than having one big office that you control. But they have, they have three or four offices now, and they've, they decentralized a little bit so that they can – Heaven forbid this never happens again, but they can lose an entire office. A, uh, it, it, could, it could just be because uh, New York gets sloppy again and, and, they, and they have to shut down Manhattan. Your entire, if, if your only office is in Manhattan, you can't, your, your business is just shut down. Yeah. Data, data, and I, I come from the technology sector and data centers learned this long ago. 
you know, um, you know, when we talk about the cloud, we talk about data centers spread all around the globe, and your, your data actually exists in all of them. So that if, if a line is cut here, or the, a submarine bumps into a transatlantic cable there, or there's something that happens in the data center and the power is out for six days, you just start doing business at this data center over here, this decentralization. So well, I, think, I think I'm telling you all that to tell you this. I think you're going to see a big push towards that because people are starting to do this calculation. Okay, sure, we saved 8%, you know, even with including shipping costs, we saved 8% manufacturing our phones in China. But now we understand that China's a risk. Mm-hmm. Now we understand that having 90% of our, our production capacity in one country, and that country has its own stability problems, right, and its own hygiene problems or whatever else you want to dictate to it, that, that there is something that can happen to China that can put us out of business. And so now they're saying, okay, well, that 8% savings, that was never a savings. We've always had that risk there. There was always the risk. We just didn't recognize that risk, right? Yeah. So, so the same thing is going to be true of food services. You know, um, it's, it's true. of uh, the, the biggest trend in nuclear energy right now is not huge five reactor nuclear power plants. The biggest trend, because okay, then you have one big facility, and if one reactor goes down, you can't use anything. You have to evacuate the building, right? Mm-hmm. So the big trend right now is what's called micro nuclear. You know, look, look, research that's very interesting. What's being done there? You know, uh, and and you can take and build a bunch of small nuclear power plants, and that is marginally. It's marginally more expensive than one big nuclear power plant. But when you consider that, well, if there's a problem here, if I, if I need to, I can just turn that one off. I can just turn it off. It's, it's 5% of my capacity. I can just turn it off and fix it and everything else is going to run. So there, there is going to be a push. I think big cities are going to have some serious problems because the yeah. people are perceiving the, the, the value proposition of a big city. Uh, it's expensive to live there. The rents are higher. The taxes are higher. Occasionally, they have a riot for whatever whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly. Um, and and uh, and there's all these things. You know, I I got a Kansas City has professional sports teams, and it's a pretty nice sized town, and they got good beer. I could be in Kansas City. I don't have to be. I don't have to be in Chicago. Chicago's got the. You know what I'm saying? So the the value proposition of Chicago is being reduced. People are going to kind of. So I think that there's going to be a tremendous decentralization push, yeah. which is uh, on us. Yeah, you know, we've been trying to push it through the concept of value added, right? Right. You know, the, the, the trying to tell people that things need to be decentralized on on a like a large scale hasn't. It, it's going to start uh, becoming something to talk about now. But prior to this incident, we've been talking about uh, adding. You know, like in why is it better to buy agricultural products from here then where it's cheaper in like Guatemala and then stored in California is because uh, in the in the Northwest uh, there's a tremendous amount of uh, desire and value given to localism and so we're trying to be at the vanguard of that and you know your your ag your ag products your food it, it has a premium to it it has a, a higher price tag to it if it's organic grown local grown within you know, 20 miles of where it's being eaten. We, you know, we, we say that that there's a value added aspect to that, that we can only do here. And, and we, we get traction with that and it's working. 
but now this this pandemic thing has really highlighted the danger of centralization as well like you're saying it's right well it, so so it, and, you know when you when you are a boutique you know when your business is you're a boutique town right you, you're, yes. you're, you're, yeah so so uh, you're gonna rate have a boutique cattle industry you're gonna have to set some key differentiators in place to make sure that hey this is not just another pound of ground beef that you get at Sam's Club it's mm -hmm. something different and here's yeah. why you know yeah, and, but, grass fed local free reign whatever that those buzzwords I, I, are right I, but I, it's not even just that so you know hey our our cattle are allowed to even graze on wild grasses and even the wild uh, hyssop plant true story that for that that you know the, the reason you have all those meadows there is because the local Native Americans uh, clear-cut the forest mm -hmm. and, and did controlled burns so or that the, the camas root yeah the camas root which is which sometimes called wild hyssop would, would yep. I think it's called that would, would, would grow and they would eat that plant our cattle feed on all these natural you know organic uh, you know uh, w a well-balanced cow diet right and so it, it makes that makes our meat you know richer and 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 higher in niacin I'm making stuff up now of course right but you, it gives you that 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 positioning but but you could even do this you could say you know uh, 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 Mr. Five-star restaurant in Portland Mr. Five-star restaurant in Seattle Here's what we're going to do. Um, you buy our, um, you know, our ribeyes from us. You buy mm -hmm. just our ribeyes. And to every customer that buys a ribeye from you, you get to give them a Tonino buck. Bam. Love it. Yes. Because then it's a branding tool. Now, they can come to your town and spend it, but they probably won't. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's, but it, but it creates the, you need, and this, this takes a long time to do, but you need to, that hammers the Tenino brand, right? Yeah. And, and you, then you got good quality control. It's like, okay, you know, any of the bad ribeyes, we're going to, we're going to just get to sell those for whatever we can get for them. And we got these grade A Tenino, you know, like Wagyu beef. Why the heck does Wagyu beef mean anything to anybody in the United States? It means <laughs> something because we say it means something. Yeah. And yes, yeah. they feed them milk and they massage them, whatever. Okay. So, but the thing is, it's got that, it's got that branding in the brain, right? You know, Tenino, the laboratory of agricultural democracy in the middle of Washington, Washington back country, and for every steak. And by the way, sir, here's your free Tenino dollar that's served with every steak. You get to do that, they'll sell more Tenino steaks. You'll, you'll get more visitors to, and more branding power for your beef. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you yeah, enjoyed our great. conversation too. You know, we have a, been a full hour. I, I asked for a half an hour. <laughs> I got a full hour out of you. So thank you for that. Yeah, strike while the iron's hot. Well, it's on Absol CNN. <laughs> All right. Thank Absolutely. you. You can tell from that I really enjoyed my conversation with Mayor Fournier, and I want to thank the mayor for his time and wish him and his little town nothing but continued success. Make sure to take a few seconds now, right now, because you're not doing anything besides listening to me, and I want you to like this podcast, maybe give it a review, tell, share it, tell someone there's still intelligent life out here on the internet because you heard it on The Jeff Effect. Thanks again, folks, and I'll talk to you next time.